Hello everyone and welcome to this special interview with Richard Graves of Sky Sports. Um, Richard, it's very kind of you to spend time with us today. I know sports exploded back into our lives and you must be very busy. So uh, thank you for taking the time. How are you today? Yeah, no problem at all. We're all good over here. It's good to have live sport back on both sides um, of, of the pond. You'd think it was the off-season in the NFL, but still we get news circulating from over there. Whilst here in the UK, obviously, Premier League's back. Cricket returns next week. There's plenty going on on top of that as well. So, so yeah, good times, busy times. Absolutely. And um, I love the NFL. And obviously, that's what my podcast is about. But I am looking forward to the cricket season as well, which I know you cover. So that's uh, really looking forward to that as well. Um, before we get on to the NFL and we sort of narrow in on that, um, just wanted to ask how, you, how your career started and how you got into the industry and um, give the listeners a taste of your journey through that. Well, I, I suppose I was quite fortunate, really, because from as early as I can remember, all I ever wanted to be was a, a sports commentator. Um, and if you ever asked my parents at the age of seven, um, they, they'd get annoyed with me because I'd be literally bounding up and down <laughs> on, on top of the, the sofa at home, uh, reciting word for word the, the final 200 yards commentary or so of the Grand National with Petro Sullivan. Um, on the commentary for the BBC at the time. So, so yeah, literally, as, as, so, as soon as I can remember, I, this is what I wanted to do. Um, and you, you go up through school. Uh, I don't know if they still have them at the time. They, they had these um, career conventions and you filled yes. in a questionnaire and, and surprisingly that came up, sports journalist. Uh, and then I got quite lucky, uh, funnily enough. Um, somebody, the, my English teacher, funnily enough, uh, knew, was best friends with, ran hospital radio over in Huddersfield, where I'm from originally, uh, and he gave me a chance to come on there. Obviously, it was nothing more than work experience. Huddersfield Town had Neil Warnock back in, back in those oh, days wow. in charge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and I can, I can remember, uh, you didn't have earpods or anything then, but I got this big old-fashioned cassette recorder and managed to get a mic that you plugged in that I could stick in inside the, the big headphones that you wear and that's how I'd record uh, myself doing the commentary and get back in the car afterwards and listen to it on the way home cringe uh, quite a lot but th that's really I've always said I was always told when I asked people that's how you get better by listening to yourself um, you go out there when you go to these games and you know there'd be the likes of Rob Jones who works for a fledgling five live at the time and um, Alan Greenby around, John Champion, and I'd just go up and ask them, how did they get into it? Pretty much the same question you've asked me. You'd get to know them over time. And um, yeah, doors opened. Uh, I got lucky on a few occasions. Uh, one thing led to another and did local radio. And, and yeah, I've been at Sky now for the last 15 years or so. So yeah, it's, it's been, been good times. Uh, there's been some interesting times along the way, but ultimately that, that's how I got into it. That's an amazing story. And um, obviously, you work incredibly hard. As you say, you know, sometimes you have those connections and you get that bit of luck. But obviously, you have to work incredibly hard in, in your industry to, to get as far as, as, far as you have. Um, just to narrow in on the um, uh, NFL, but still a personal question. Do you follow a team? Um, I heard a rumour you're a Texans fan, but that could be just be a rumour. Uh, it's close. Uh, I do follow a team, the Dallas Cowboys. Um, um, so a little bit of rivalry there occasionally, I guess. Uh, but yeah, no, the, uh, the, the Cowboys, as, as a kid growing up, they, they were the team, the triplets with Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith uh, and so on. Um, but really, to be I mean, you know, 
back when I was a kid growing up, you, you've got maybe ch- the chance to see one live game a week. I can't remember whether it was Sunday night football or Monday night football. that would be on Channel 4 initially, and then I think Channel 5 uh, took over. And aside from that, it was a one-hour highlight show on a Saturday morning with Absolutely. Harry Imlach uh, pre- presenting. Um, so th- that's how I got into it. Uh, the Sky took over the coverage, uh, and for, but for a long time, obviously, it was only one, maybe two games. So if you wanted to follow your team in the early fledgling days of the internet, Sunday night, kickoff time, you'd go online and find NFL.com, and you didn't have pictures or even commentary as such, unless you managed to somehow get a good signal on the Armed Forces radio network that kept coming in and out. Um, but they'd have this graphic up, and you could literally sit there for three hours watching the whole game of these arrows going one way or, or the other. And then whenever something dramatic happened, it was either in a computer voice tone you'd hear, intercepted! Or, <laughs> and that, that'd be as exciting as it got. Um, so, so that's how I got into it. And then um, I was quite fortunate that from my radio days, uh, one of my colleagues got a job working over in Dallas and I always said, well, if, if it works out for you, I'll, I'll come over and, and see what it's, what it's about for a week or so. So off I went on holiday out there and literally the first full day we were there, he got us tickets for us all to go and see Monday night football oh, at the old Texas incredible. Stadium, Cowboys, Giants. And I can remember as clear as, as if it was just yesterday, walking into this stadium and thinking, well, I, I don't really know what's going on so much here. So I'm just going to sit down, be quiet, say nothing enjoy the game inside three snaps this great big american sat behind me is up on his feet he's urging everyone to to get up whenever there was a touchdown it didn't matter whether you knew the person next to you or not everybody's high-fiving and and that's it i was hooked the cowboys went on to to lose that game against the giants but it was the game tony romo came in for drew bledsoe at half time i think with his very first pass of the game he he threw an interception uh but that's it I, i was hooked dallas were definitely my team uh, to watch for from then on uh, and the rest is history as they say and yeah very fortunate to be in this position now where you get to see all the teams in the NFL you get to cover some of the greatest games greatest spectacles uh, in sport uh, yeah very fortunate indeed I think I'm gonna have to talk to my friend who's the Texans fan because I think I've just uh, had a little bit of a setup there but <laughs> I'll go have a word <laughs> with him later um you're talking about the atmosphere and I, I, I'm i a Patriots fan. I went to Gillette Stadium and, and like you said, the atmosphere is incredible. There's so much interaction between the fans. Like you say, high five and things like that. No one knew us, obviously. We'd come all the way over from England, but they they involved us and they, they wanted us to be part of it, which was incredible. Um, is Dallas the most impressive NFL stadium you've been to? Obviously, it is certainly up there. It, look, there's been a, a number of new stadia built in the NFL over the last decade or so, and each one is impressive in its own right. For sheer size, magnitude, scale, you cannot fail to be impressed by, by the stadium over there yeah. in, in Dallas with the jumbotron that suspends from the ceiling and runs from one 20-yard line to the other. It, it, it is immense. Um, and go back to the 2016 um, divisional playoff game, uh, between the Cowboys and, and Packers. And to this day, I say it's the most incredible atmosphere I've ever experienced. Dallas had trailed by double digits, came back to tie the game up at, at 31 late on in the game. There was tornadoes literally touching down all around the Dallas area outside the stadium. We had to stay in the stadium wow. for two hours after the game. No one was allowed out because this tornado storm was um, going on. But inside the stadium, the roof was was shaking. Such was the noise of ninety odd thousand uh, fans all on their feet, and 
I can remember just being able to draw breath uh, at one point and just thinking consciously, take this in, this is something else. Now, Green Bay went, went, went on to win that game, which in an ideal world, um, I might have liked to be different, but that atmosphere will, will stay with me until it's surpassed it. And I don't really see that, that happening anytime soon. But then you've got other stadiums, you know, the Super Bowl in Atlanta a couple of years ago. Uh, that, that stadium is immense in its design, yeah. the way the roof peels back and the circular uh, digital board that you can see from, from every angle as well. We were fortunate enough to go up to Minneapolis uh, 12 months before that as well the stadium they've built there with the acoustics and so on is completely different uh, again um, and now you've got that new stadium in Vegas that looks like it's um, just about completed there's Stan Kroenke and the LA Rams with their new stadium SoFi Stadium out there in California as well which um, I had a virtual tour of uh, 12 16 months or so ago and and that blew your mind away just going taking the tour with it virtually so hopefully touch wood i'll get to experience that in, in person at some point in the future but yeah e each time they build a new stadium over in the states and the nfl in particular there's always something that they, they put in to outdo yeah. the last one and it's impressive it really is yeah they really go for it don't they like you say they're always trying to outdo the last stadium and try and improve um i mean speaking of amazing atmospheres and amazing stadiums i know you've covered the super bowl uh for quite a few years just walk, walk us through briefly, sort of, what's it like before the game, during the game, and after the game at a Super Bowl? Ah, oh, seriously, there is no, no occasion quite like it. Certainly not that I've experienced in the sporting sphere anyway. And I've been fortunate enough to do England Football Internationals, Ashes Series, uh, being at major rugby events as well, sold out Twickenham, Challenge Cup Final in Rugby League. But the Super Bowl, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience if you're fortunate to go there it's not just the game itself it's the occasion of the whole week starting on Monday night with opening night as they now call it but it's media night when you get a chance to meet every coach every player of the two teams involved and literally no questions are off limits anything goes and then as you build up throughout the course of the week you get to see fans from the different states, different countries even, uh, coming into town, the excitement building, uh, certainly the energy that the Seattle Seahawks fans uh, bring, to, bring to town when they're involved in the Super Bowl is, is something else. The New England Patriots in recent times, I think their fans have almost come to expect to see, see their team there. Yeah. So maybe the novelty's worn off a, a little bit. But, you know, the Chiefs fans came into town in, in Miami this time around as well. And, you know, 50 years since... They were last involved yes. um, in the main event, and they certainly enjoyed every moment of it. And then you get the, the Hollywood sprinkling of stardust, the rock. Uh, Dwayne Johnson introduced both teams inside the stadium yeah. wow. this time. And honestly, by the time kickoff came, the place was at fever pitch because it was one of those occasions when everything had come together um, and the anticipation, the build-up, um, it, it was all absolutely warranted. So, so, yeah, in itself, Super Bowl week, it is definitely an occasion. It's never just the game. And in more, more instances than not, the game can be an anticlimax. Obviously, last February, that certainly wasn't the case with the way it, it unfolded. But yeah, I keep saying fortunate because I think you really are quite fortunate um, to get to witness those uh, events. And the one thing that really brought it home was Super Bowl 49 over in Arizona. Before the game, I'm outside the stadium interviewing fans to get a flavour of where they've come from, yeah. the excitement, the anticipation. And we got talking to this one family of four that had made the trip over 
from Australia. And I think I'm right in saying that for the four of them, they've spent a combined total of $75,000 to <laughs> cover airfare, accommodation, tickets for the game. And yet, you know, here I am as a job. Yes. <laughs> you know? yeah. And yeah. So, so that, that, that kind of puts it into perspective a, a little bit. Uh, and I sort of feel you, you should never quite forget that. No, no matter how blasé you become or how much you see it as par for the course, ne- never forget how fo- how much it means to other people to, to be there. And like I say, f- I'm fortunate enough to to do it do it as a job, uh, and I've been to multiple uh, Super Bowls now as a result. Uh, yeah, and and do you know what? I'm I'm getting hyped up just listening to you talk about it. So, like you say, being there must just be something else. Um, uh, sp- uh, speaking of you know players and, and and big news, obviously Cam Newton signed with New England. Um, over the last couple of days, obviously a huge signing. Do you think that makes New England a Super Bowl contender? Because a lot of the people were looking for them to maybe drop off a little bit. Does this change that? Or or do you think it hasn't added as much as people think? Well, if you believe the hype, um, certainly there's there's some experts and pundits out there that believe it does catapult them into Super Bowl contenders. I'm not so sure, to be honest. This was a team that was sorely lacking offensively last season. Uh, even Tom Brady, with all his experience, yeah. couldn't turn that ship around. And you, you look at the you look at the quarterbacks who were on the roster. They brought in Brian Hoyer, obviously, as backup third his third spell over there in New England. Jarrett Stidham, fourth round pick from twelve months ago, still there but lacks experience. So you, you get Cam Newton, who go back to 2015 when he was the NFL MVP, is certainly a, a massive upgrade. And if he's fit and healthy, he, he does certainly. Um, upgrade the the whole offense without a shadow of a doubt but you know what what has he got to work with really you look at the tight ends well two of them were were signed I think in the second and third round of this year's drafts they're rookies with no NFL experience at wide receiver what have you got Nikhil Harry a first round pick from 12 months ago is probably a starter alongside Mohamed Sanu Julian Edelman well he had a tremendous chemistry with, with Brady is he going to find that sort of chemistry with Cam Newton, that remains to be seen. Uh, so then you say, well, maybe you look, look at relying on the running game. Well, Sonny Michel uh, has just had a, another operation it, it, this offseason. I've got to be honest. I, I think that the AFC East generally is a great division. The Buffalo Bills were the yeah. favourites before this move was announced. I think they still are the favourites to, to take the division. But what it does do is it pushes the New England Patriots into contention for the division. You, w- you wouldn't put it past them to be able to find a way to get past the Bills and make a way into, into the playoffs. But the Miami Dolphins have obviously invested in their squad, but I don't think there'll be a playoff contender this time around. And the New York Jets will... History suggests that certainly recent times, they can't get out of their own way. And, you, you know, they still have a lot to prove to many people, including myself. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I think I think the Dolphins are still a year or two away. The Jets are they look a little bit of a mess at the moment. We who knows, but they don't look like they're going anywhere fast. I still the Bills division. I had the Patriots here eight and eight, which I thought was fair, despite the fact I'm a fan. Um, I think getting Cam does does maybe knock us up to ten wins, but I think the Bills still win the division. Do you know the, the question? The question about Cam is his state of health. You know, he's had two operations now on that throwing shoulder. We never got to see how well he recovered or healed last season because he sustained that Lisfranc injury and played two games and the mechanics weren't there, obviously, with the injury. And he was a pale shadow of the man we know 
you can be. So, so th this is the thing, and I do think it's a win-win situation for for both player and organisation here because the Patriots have got a guy who's only four or five years removed from being the league MVP on the league minimum salary with incentives that could take it over seven million dollars for the year if you can hit all those. Equally, in Cam Newton, you go to a team with great recent history who he believes could be a contender. And let's not forget, for all the talk that the Patriots don't have any cap room to work with this summer, 12 months from now, I think that some, I read something like they'll be in the top seven in terms of cap space availability. So if he does play well and it does work out for both him and the organisation, then he sets himself up to hit the free agent market again uh, and make hay, which would be deservedly so it in that instance so and if it doesn't work out look like I say it's a league minimum salary you can move on from Cam Newton give Jarrett Stidham a chance uh, and not nothing's lost for the Patriots yeah as, as you say we're, we're swallowing Tom Brady's money this year but uh, next year we'll, we'll be much more flexible um a couple of questions just before before I let you go um number one was on on the social um justice and black lives matter and things like that around the nfl also the nfl has committed a lot of money over the next few years to try and help that they they obviously put out a statement saying they got it wrong um you know a few years ago with the colin kaepernick situation but they never they haven't done anything else beyond that and they never specifically said you know we're sorry to cam uh, sorry not cam uh, kaepernick um what more could they do and do you think they've 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 done a lot as it is or do you think this is tip of the iceberg well, they've certainly moved their stance considerably, without a shadow of a doubt. If you look at the fairly bland statement they put out a couple of years ago, where they basically got players to, to buy into this idea that rather than kneel for the national anthem, if you, if you want to protest, you stay in the locker room. Well, that's not going to happen this coming season. You can expect players from every team, I'd imagine, uh, yes. to, to take, take a knee or show some form of protest at, at the national anthem. And you just look at the way the it all transpired in the last several weeks or so. Let, let's not forget this was an NFL employee on their social media side taking a huge chance by reaching out um, to, to players and saying, look, I want to do something about this because I'm not happy with the original statement that my organization ha has put out. And th this employee, I'm told reliably, expected to be hauled over the coals uh, and yeah, be fired absolutely. once the NFL found out. For that not to happen... And in fact, quite the opposite to happen with the NFL then hosting a, a virtual meeting um, with, with many of its members, players, staff, so on, and responding in kind with a video that the players had asked for, denouncing social injustice, um, police brutality. That was a massive shift. And I think it's uh, educated guess to say Roger Goodell did that without consulting the, the 32 NFL owners, which again is almost unheard of. Certainly I'm not aware of such a, a far-reaching move being taken without that kind of consultation. So now we're in a, a quiet period. Training camp doesn't start till the, the end of July. And then you go into games, all being well, um, everything being equal with the pandemic and so on in September, which is probably when this um, becomes the four once more, but there's no getting a, around it. You, you've seen the, the response from players in the Bundesliga, the Premier League, uh, and around the world. Uh, I, I don't think this one goes away now. Um, it's visible, it's audible, and the NFL do have to change with the times. And I think that's what we're going to see. Exactly what form that takes tangibly um, is anybody's guess 
right now. But the NFL are definitely moving in that direction. And that's something that even three months ago, I don't think any of us would have foreseen happening. No, absolutely. And, and I'm completely with you. Hopefully that, you know, this will see change and this is here to stay. And as you said, I certainly didn't see what they did coming. So hopefully that's a big step in the right direction. Um, last question. Um, I know it's way too early, um, but can you um, give me some predictions for uh, the Super Bowl? Which two teams do you think could get there? Well, let's hope we do have a Super Bowl, first well, yes, of all, whether absolutely. that be on the scheduled date in February or push back a little bit um, in Tampa. Look, no host city has ever had its own team appear in the Super Bowl. I know, obviously, with Tom Brady and Gronk going down to Tampa Bay, there's a frenzy around there this season. Look, whilst it's still a long way off and we haven't even had yeah. roster cuts at training camps and so on, I don't see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers making it. I think they become a, a playoff team. For, for sure, there will certainly be contenders and you're going to see a lot of them on primetime games in this coming season because of the Tom Brady factor. But in the NFC, look, I, I still like the, the New Orleans Saints. I felt they should have made it there last season and then slipped up inexplicably at home. I know that will have 49ers fans in, in uproar because <laughs> of the way that they played. But I'm still not sold on Jimmy Garoppolo. I yeah. think he's a, a good quarterback. But I also think that when it, it, you know, you're playing for all the marbles and you yes. have to make that play, I think he's still got to prove something. You know, that, that game was there in Miami in, in February. He had a chance to lead the Super Bowl winning drive and you've, you've got Emmanuel Sanders wide open down the middle yeah. of the field and he couldn't complete the pass. He overthrew him. Um, Kyle Shanahan, obviously, psychologically, I think he's got a lot to prove to himself because of the way the Super Bowl slipped away. Um, with the Atlanta Falcons when they played in Super Bowl 51 against the Pats. And then obviously the way this one unfolded, blowing a, a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. So, yeah, the, the New Orleans Saints, if you have to push me right now, I would take to represent the NFC. And then, look, I, I really like the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. They deservedly were the Super Bowl champions last season. And they are the team to beat for me. I think they had a decent draft. They brought in a running back, um, in the first round, the 32nd pick uh, of this year's draft, uh, whose name escapes me right now, uh, Edward Hilaire, I think uh, yeah, it was, right, yeah. who, who I heard um, some coaches not only compare him to Brian Westbrook, but said he, he could even be better than Brian Westbrook. Well, if you think of the good times that Andy Reid enjoyed at the Philadelphia Eagles as head coach with Brian Westbrook uh, as his running back, then look at this offense and the, the toys that Patrick Mahomes has got to play with already before this first round draft pick arrives in Kansas City this time. That if you're if you're an opposition defense defense coming into town, that doesn't bear thinking about. So, so yeah, I like the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, here we are on June the 30th as we talk right now. I, I will take the Saints against the Chiefs in Tampa. Yeah, and certainly can't argue with either of those picks. And I remember, um, I know fantasy doesn't always translate to the actual NFL, but I remember always picking up Brian Westbrook because he was an incredible player and just racked up yards, racked up touchdowns. So if he can be anything like him, they'll be they'll be laughing. Um, well, I just want to, that's the end of the interview. And I just want to say a massive thanks to Richard for stopping by today. Uh, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And I'm really grateful, like I said, when I know you're very busy, that you agreed to take the time to come on the show. Uh, no problem at all, Ed. I've enjoyed it. And yeah, wish you the best of luck going forward. Thank you very much. Uh, that was Richard Graves of Sky Sports on the show. I hope you all enjoyed the interview and I'll bring you more very soon. <laughs>